Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. The Houseman XP Podcast Network is taking you on the journey. Your host, Master Trainer Heath Hyatt, will combine his decades of experience as a houndsman and as a professional trainer that will light the path forward and make our packs lighter on this lifelong journey to become better hunters and houndsmen. There are no shortcuts, so lace up those boots and grab a dog leash. The journey begins now. Hey guys, the journey on Houndsman XP is teamed up with Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform that was made for hunters by hunters. If you guys and gals have listened to any of the other podcasts that I've been on, you know what a huge outdoor enthusiast I am. I love being in the woods with my hounds. There's nothing more exciting than hearing the thunder of a spring gobbler. I love fishing for trout in the brooks and the streams, and I love being on the river chasing that ever-elusive fish of a thousand casts, the muskie. Go Wild is the place that I can post my trophies, hunts, and memories without being censored. But Go Wild is so much more than that. It's a place to share your stories, sharpen your skills, hone your tactics, get gear reviews, and shop for anything outdoors. When you make a purchase from the Go Wild store, everything is free shipping. Anything that you purchase anywhere in the country, no matter how big, free shipping. So go down to the show notes, click on the Go Wild link at the bottom, and get signed up today. And let's go wild. Today on The Journey, we're going to dive back in to a topic that we've hit on throughout the last year. Um, I think it's like it's the hub. It's where everything starts. And we're going to talk about breeding again. Um, you know, as you guys know, the journey is about making us better, the hounds better, our experience better. And, you know, I think it starts with breeding. It, it starts with our choices. Um, how we raise the puppies and stuff goes, you know, it just filters on up. So I have been lucky enough to grab a hold of a guy that he writes for Project Upland. He's written numerous articles, and he's got a bunch of titles behind his name, but I'm going to let him tell about himself so I don't butcher it because some of the stuff I can't even pronounce. But we have Jason Carter from Topsom, Maine with us today. Jason, how's things your way? Oh, man, it's great. Yeah, you know, where I'm from, from the Northeast, where it's normally really cold, but it's beautiful out right now. Don't need to go south; the warm temperatures come up to us, so it's it's been really nice lately. And uh, we're just finishing off with the hunting season, and uh, we're starting to move into uh, we're out of bird season, moving into um, start chasing some fur oh. uh, throughout the for the next 
few months and so before we get into back into training season so things are really well right now uh happy new year yeah happy new to you um yeah so last weekend it was minus minus two here which is it gets that way but it doesn't get that way often and this weekend it is actually it's 64 degrees outside right now yeah exactly we we went from an arctic freeze and losing power to everybody's running around in t-shirts now it's like summertime so hopefully you'll have some of that fire out front and uh, we sat around the fire in the sun and the dogs just kind of cuddled up against the ground and they they they, they were happy as to be we were all enjoying the weather because we know reality is going to smack us in the face here not 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 long yeah it's not yeah you're you're probably in for (laughs) y'all's winters last what till about april yeah, we, we usually have a bunch of snow. Our, our largest snow snow accumulation is March and April. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jason, tell tell listeners, um, tell us who you are, what you do, and just a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, my name is Jason Carter. I'm from uh, from uh, Topsom, Maine. Um, that's Southern Maine. Um, I'm a NABDA judge, North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association. Um, I, I do. I'm a clinic leader. I'm also a member of the uh, North American Deutsch Cursor Association. It's the German club, breed club for the um, for the German uh, short hair um, for the DK and the DKC. Um, I'm also a pro trainer at Maramine Kennels, and um, we uh, do a bunch of um, a training locally here in Maine and. Uh, I, I also we do a little bit of breeding. We're 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 a small family-run organization, uh, um, a kennel that uh, that um, we we aren't big-time breeders, but we are we do breed for our next hunting dogs, and that's what you know we're we're, we're proud of, and we produce what we believe are really good uh, hunting dogs for for serious hunting families. So, <clears throat> what do you do for a living? I'm actually a phys ed teacher by trade. Yeah. And, um, my side hustle is for sure. Um, um, hunting and, uh, yeah. I think we're all that way. I think I work so I can pay for my, my hobby. Well, it's not a hobby. It's a lifestyle, but it it supports my lifestyle. (laughs) Yep. But I have found that the older I've gotten and I'm getting that the more work's getting in the way of life. Like, come on man i just need i need another week <laughs> off or i need to take another trip so yeah, no, i need a raise and i need more vacation that's for sure yeah so yep. it's your kennel that you talked about what how yep. many dogs do y'all keep there and, and what type of dogs are they so we have um both uh, we have two lines we have the german short hair and and the uh dk which is the german variety of the german short hair that is controlled by germany and and um their 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 mission is four man function. Um so you know the DKs are fur driven high drive dogs where um the other the other is the German short hair, which is also a German short hair, you know, comparably to the NADKC is which the Deutsch Cursor is German short hair in German. So mm-hmm. you know, they're both German short hairs, but one one is um controlled a little, little tighter than the other. But so we have two lines that go through the kennel that are very um um high drive dogs that we try to put into um really good hunting homes. Right. And looking at the picture of the the DKs, 
they're a little bit yeah. coarser haired, aren't they? Yeah, well, I mean, every 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 breed, as you know, has has varieties, but um, yeah. So I mean, they're 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 designed to um, do both feather and fur, where um, a lot of the German short hairs are just just upland dogs that just chase chase feather. So it, it it's it's for for us we we do um, blood tracking in November mm. the, the track down game, yeah, and we do we do rabbit hunting uh, late season. So when when you're saying fur, that's what you're talking about is the the hair. Yeah, blood tracking and, and okay. chasing hairs. I got you. So yeah, what, Jason, what like how long have you been running? How long have you been fooling with dogs with that type of experience? Yep. And what got you into um, the the well, the, not the hound, but what got you into the yeah. dog world? Yeah. So my grandfather um, is an old uh, cat hunter. And he, he chased cats um, his entire life and brought my father into it. Um, they got into both cat and, and bear hunting. And then my father went into the military and took on um, bomb detection. He had one of the first heroin dogs in the country um, in the Air Force. And then he got out of that and then was given two German short hairs. Uh, he loved, he, he was passionate about hunting. Um, from the get-go and so he tied into short hairs became a nab judge now today a senior judge uh, clinic leader and uh, he he started the merry meeting line and so i came on probably my uh, mid to late late 20s i started uh, starting my own um, breeding and training of of professionally training um, short hairs and other breeds and then I've been training now for about know, 21 years, 22 years, and um, absolutely loving it and just, just absolutely obsessed about it. But as a hobby, um, where, where, you know, like you said, it pays, 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 pays for, the, for, for the playing, right? Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're, so you're actually out of your, the kennel that y'all were running, you're, you're yeah. actually, you actually have your own line that you've started. Yeah, yeah. Um, my father brought in a DK, and he started a line, and then he gave me um, um, my first male, and and I developed that dog into what I believe was a really good hunting dog, and so I've I've been breeding um, that line ever since, and have gotten some good dogs out of it, and have been enjoying that realm. And, um, of course, of course, they, they, they help us along the way. I mean, they've been breeding, uh, must be since the early seventies. So they've been breeding a long time in their, in their line. So they're, they're, um, there's a lot of reputation in the germ short hairs as far as where they originated. But then I would say late, I believe it was the late eighties. He got into the DKs and got his first dog and we've been, we've been playing with the DKs ever since. And, and it's just interesting where where he started, you know, and, and based on this article, you know, I mean, when he started his first dog, it was very, very, very soft German short hair. He was giving them and, and they had definitely some issues, but he started somewhere. And, you know, growing up, we had, we had, actually, he had lime riders to start with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a, funny, a funny story was where he started, which... He got away from Weimaraners, but he he he, he took our our Weimaraner hunting 
<laughs> for us to get our, our ducks and our duck retrieving, it would have to get the dog wet, but the dog didn't want to get in the water. So he'd have to wait out in the water and put the dog in the water. And once it was wet, it would go get the retrieve on every single retrieve. <laughs> oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so we so we started with them and then he was getting two short hairs and and um we've we've kind of chased that ever since and he's developed his line to, to be to become pretty good. Um as far as the GSBs go, pretty good line is and his wife actually, my mother uh, Patty Carter has taken over that as the the head person as far as um breeding goes and my father's run with the DKs. Huh. So this is going to lead me to two questions. Sure. I want to know, I want to talk, how did you get into the judging part? And because yeah. you're a judge for the German club and I've had several. No, other, not, not a judge for the German club, just for NAFTA. Oh, okay. So, yeah. but the DKs are coming from the German descent, correct? Yes. And do you have to meet a standard to even breed those dogs? Yeah, that that's, that's a great question because yeah. yeah so so what's what's very interesting about the NADKC is that they they do form and function. Yep. So so those dogs have to not only meet a certain standard, but they gotta they gotta meet that standard, and also have I mean the talent standard for 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 upland. You know they have both fur and feather that the dog has to meet, but then it has to um, also have the structure to support it, which is which is very important. You know. In, in NAVDA, it, it's a testing organization that, that um, just requires the dog to, to meet a certain talent level. Mm-hmm. You know, so the NADKC is, is really, really great organization because every dog that has been stamped for breeding approval has met both standards in talent and in function and, and, and in, in structure. Right. And are, yeah. are you getting your your mates, whether it be male or female, are you getting those stateside or are you having to get to go overseas or how is that working? For, 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 for us, we're, we're mostly stateside, you know, we, we outbreed, we don't line breed. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're pulling in sires, um, that are side, um, not, not that we wouldn't go overseas for sure. If, if, if we were connected to somebody, but, um, you know, you get, you get, it's you know when you're breeding it's who you know and when you talk to breeders every breeder myself included is a car salesman that's in love with what they have right mm-hmm. you know we, we we love we love our dogs right. we love what we have and we think we have the best you know so so it's interesting when you start as a breeder start reaching out to folks that have good dogs you know i mean are, are, are you are you talking to your neighbor who lives three three miles up the road or you you you're reaching out to a variety of dogs all over internationally, if, if possible, you know, to find the right breeding, you know, and, and that takes some resources that takes who, you know, and, you know, talking to people that maybe not connected to the breeder that knows the breedings. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a real process to get to, to breed the right dog to the right dog, you know, and in the end, you're trying to breed. If you believe your dog is correct, and it has everything it needs to breed, both form and function, then you've got to find the matching pair that's going to support that. You know, and there's a lot of information that goes behind making that final decision to either breed or not to breed, you know, which is a tough decision. Yeah, which is, we're going to get into that in just a second. Um, Back to the judge. So what got you into judging and how long have you been doing that? Yep. Um, My father's, my father was, um, 
for judge for many years. He's um, my 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 judging number is like twenty thousand six hundred fifty nine. His is twelve. Oh wow! <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's been in a long time, and 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 I just absolutely love um, NABDA and what it represents and the people behind every, in our chapter and all the other chapters. And it, it was just a natural thing for me to get involved because of what my father did, you know, to get involved in judging and kind of chase that dream. And once I got involved with it and, you know, started meeting people of like-minded people from different chapters across the country, it's, it's been, it's been a labor of love ever since. Yeah. And I think, you know, too, just from some of the articles that I've read that you wrote, you know, you want to better the breed and, you know, it takes, sure. it takes a, it takes structure, it takes dedication, um, and, well, and, and the commitment. And I, you know, I see that from what you're writing, which is what intrigued me to start with, um, yep. that it, you know, again, the journey's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, stuff takes time. Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, so that's kind of what led me, you know, in, into your to some of the stuff that you, that you had wrote for um, Project Upland, so yeah. let's get let's talk about the article and 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 sure. talk about the breeding. You know, the article was basically how to make a tough decision to not breed your dog, which we all know that that's um, that's a touchy that's a touchy conversation to have, especially uh, with people that you're not close to, and even even if you are close to well, them. It, it's it's still you know may cause some hard feelings. Oh oh man, I, I can't. It, it's it, that's a hard that's a narrow balance beam to walk. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 a soul searching endeavor to 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 get away from the idea that you're not going to breed your dog. Yeah, you know, if you think about any dog, you mean your dog, my dog. What does it do all day long? It just sits there and it watches you and it studies you and it loves on you. And it is ingrained, you know, in every aspect of your life. It's it's no different than your children, you know, in a lot of aspects. And so when, when we, when we get to the point where we want our next dog and we believe, let me ask you a question before you do that. What led you to write this article? Like what, what was going, what was the process? What happened? Did something come up? What led you to it? Okay. Full transparency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh boy. So I was, um, I'm, I, I was in a relationship, I'm in a relationship with my girlfriend and she has a, I'm not going to say the breed, mm-hmm. <laughs> but she has a dog that I believe she shouldn't breed to. Ah. And yeah. So what happened was I, I started going down the road of, like I would talk to anybody else. I'm like, well, first of all, you need to understand a number of different things about going into this breeding. Um, what is it that you like about this dog? What is it that you don't like about this dog? Now, I've had two years of training this dog. And so I, I've had, I had some background that I had to, you know, try to negotiate, have the conversation with about why to breed or not to breed. And I had some real reservations because we had some hangups in our training mm-hmm. you know when it, when it came to retrieving and and there were some temperament issues in the dog where the dog would soften with any level of pressure of training mm-hmm. so it, it was it, i struggled 
um, having this conversation with her, I didn't, I didn't initially have it. I, I was wondering like, okay, well, how do I tell her? I, I don't think this dog should breed. You should breed this dog or let's have a conversation on why you should breed this dog. So, so the, the inspiration for the article was this, this balancing act I was playing of, of, you know, and I'll be honest, you know, both in me and with her, you know, I wasn't sure myself on, on where, if I, I think she should breed it or shouldn't breed it. So, so I, I, we had lots of conversations around it. And so, yeah, it was a tough conversation to have with her. I mean, once that, once I broached the conversation and I had that response, I backpedaled. I, I, I couldn't go backwards fast enough. Uh, I dug such a deep hole. And, and, and I started having some real feeling. Okay. Well, well, am I right in this conversation? So I started questioning myself a little bit about the breeding and, you know, providing some questions for her and kind of leading, you know, and we guided ourselves into, eventually we got into yeah, I, I think we should breed this dog. But the the inspiration for the article was based on the idea that I was really struggling trying to convince her that she shouldn't breed the dog right. initially. So when you and, said soften, and I'm just this is the trainer part coming out in me. Was this sure. a genetic issue or was this a developmental issue? It, you know, and that's an important question to ask. And and we were bouncing around with that exact question because. Is it a temperament? Is the, is the nervous system genetic in the dog where you're, you're saying, okay, there's not, if we breed this dog, we're breeding a problem into another dog that we're hoping will water it out. Mm-hmm. As you and I know, that, that, that doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You know, white, white and black doesn't make gray as far as breeding goes. You know, you, you get a certain percentage that are towards the female, certain percentage that are towards the male. And, and so, so when we were having that question, that, that was exactly what we were talking about was really like, okay, well, is there a genetic fault in enough uh, in this dog that we want to avoid? And if that's the case, we're not breeding correct to correct and we shouldn't do the breeding. And her, her stance was she was convinced that this dog was a, um, genetically sound dog it, it was a great hunting dog it had every every aspect because this was her first dog she made some training mistakes and mm. um it, it those mistakes influenced where we were at in this training and it's why she failed in certain aspects of her training it was based on her but being being in this long enough i know that we i mean we like to take credit for our dog's mistakes because it's easier for us to say oh I messed up in my training. It was my fault that the dog didn't get to where, where it should have been. You know, my next dog, I know more, I'll do better. But you the know, thing that, that it, you know, the thing there is she, her, and I see this, I see, and I know you and I kind of briefly touched on this. There was nothing sure. to compare to. So in right. pe- people that have, you know, have their first dog or two, they don't, they don't have that uh, experience with, Exactly. With what it should look like or could look like, because that's the only thing they have to go by. Yeah, there's no numbers underneath them. They they don't know, you know, they don't see that pattern of behavior where you're like, okay, wow, that's obviously genetic, and I need to avoid that. So, you know, and, and it comes down to, you know, the dog gets to relatively around five years of age, and they've already believing that they're about to lose that dog, you know, in the next 10 years, I need to, I need that dog. I don't want to be absent without that dog. That's my best friend. 
mm-hmm. that, that's that's my yeah i think we spend a lifetime trying to replicate stuff that we can't that it's never going to be the same no you you fall in love with this dog and the dog is 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 your best friend it it watches you it it knows more things about you than you'll ever know about yourself you know if you think about a dog you know your 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 dog's already at the door before before you even realize that you want to go hunting. You know your dog's already you you pick up the the set of keys. Your dog knows when you're going to work, and your dog knows when you're grabbing the gun and going hunting. You know it, it's that dog is nothing to do but to spend time um, studying you and loving you and being with you. And so you got to understand that that level of loyalty is 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 such a treasure for any dog owner and when the dog gets to about five years of age and you start thinking about there's going to be a time where this dog's not going to be with me anymore that that's that's a real heart-wrenching thought process to you know, living with a dog for 15 years and and you guys have your same rituals your same um things that you do every single day that you depend on the dog and when the dog's not there that, that's 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 hard that's a hard time and, you know and to avoid that you know right around five years of age you start thinking start feeling that loss that isn't there yet and you start thinking about where am i going to get my next dog mm-hmm. you know and for some folks they're like you know what i'm going to breed this dog you know and it shouldn't be at five years of age. three years of age and younger younger dogs do better when you're whelping litters mm-hmm. and so so these older dogs that are breeding you're, you have, they don't have guidance from, from a lot of folks to be like, you know what, you, you shouldn't be breeding this dog. It's, it's too old. It doesn't have what you want. You need to start a different narrative. You need to start chase, chase the genetics. If you love the line and you love what you have, there's hopefully there's breed, a breeding pool out there that you can follow. And, and that's, that's an exciting process too, you know, that a lot of people don't think about is, chasing those genetics and chasing that, that those dogs that are, are connected to what you have, maybe what you have isn't exactly what, what you dreamed of, but we, we just have, because we fall in love with these dogs, we just have this, Oh, it's our fault. We'll take blame for those problems when maybe they're genetic problems that we shouldn't be chasing, you know, and, and it takes some guidance and yeah. there's a lot of information out there that, that, that directs you towards, Mm-hmm. I mean, how to breed, but not much that's out there that says you shouldn't breed. Yeah, yeah, which leads us into, you know, you know, identifying the motivations to breed that dog. Mm-hmm. That was kind of your yeah. next, your next go-to. Yeah. So talk about that. Yeah, yeah for us, I mean, for me, I, I want a hunting dog. I, I want I want a dog that's out there ripping and tearing, both in the field, on the water. I want a dog that's biddable, which means I want a dog that's trainable. I want a dog that 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 has the genetic package to support me as a trainer, and what what avenues I want to go down hunting wise, and specific to species. Or for me, is I, I like I like blood tracking deer. I like chasing rabbits. I want a dog that has the fortitude to handle a ten degree day in January weather in, in Maine. You know that that that's a tough day on the water. Um, I want to be able to. We have in, in, in Maine, we have pretty thick, dense brambles and cover that I need a dog that's not cover shy, that's willing to run through the black raspberries and thorns and the, 
and have the fortitude to, to, to push out and find game for me. You know, so I need to have a certain level of temperament in my dog that can handle pretty extreme situations. Yeah, you know, and, you and that's if I just want to stay local. You know, our, our dogs are trained to be able to to um, go out west if I want to go chase pheasants or huns or sharptails. You know, you know, it, it takes a day or two to get the guys, the dogs, kind of zeroed in on those game birds. But um, these dogs can can handle all all type of north, south, east, west. Um, but it's, it's, it's super important that in my breeding process, in my training process, that I identify those dogs that I want to chase, you know, and if it's the dog that's in my house, fantastic, but there's a lot that goes behind making that decision to breed. Right. Now yeah. talk a little bit, cause I don't think people, um, talk about form when you talk about form. Yeah. Just yeah. kind of give me your your foresight on what what that means to you. Yeah, we're talking hips, we're talking elbows, we're talking bite. You know, are the teeth? Do I have the right number of teeth? Are, are they set right for good retrieving? Is there is there genetic teeth or bite issues in my line? Is there um, are the hips tight where I can I can hunt thirteen? I mean, I have a currently a. 13, almost 14, a couple months, 14 year old dog that's hunting nearly full days. You know, she, she doesn't have hip issues, you know, where 10 years of age, the dog is suffering from joint problems. Right. Um, there, there's, there's, uh, if you think about a dog that runs through heavy cover, it's, it's watch a dog run. If the dog looks like it's putting in a lot of effort just to run around, yep. that's usually a structural issue. Yep. You know, you can see them, they're, they're, they're heavy footed and the, you watch them running around. It, it's, it's a different movement than a dog that's very nimble and yep. can navigate um, better. You know, those dogs last longer than those heavy footed, heavy, hard, you know, you can see it in the joints that they're, they don't have the suspension and they don't have that, that form to, to, to do long days in the woods for, for many, many years, you know, it's going to wear on them in time. And so those, those, if you don't have the right form and the structure to support what you're doing out in the field, um, you're, 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 you're going to have a dog that's at home a lot, you know, nine, 10 years of age, you know, it has arthritis and it's not doing well, Mm -hmm. you know, it's quality of life goes down, you know, it's our responsibility to make sure that that structure is there to support what we're doing and that the dog has a long hunting life. And, and that way we can we can continue to hunt, but we also have a dog that's healthy and happy and and pain free, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, one, and I had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day. We sure. were she she was she was asking me about because um, we both have been in the police world. You know, it's mm-hmm. easy for me to go to your place and test a dog that's ten, twelve, thirteen, fourteen months old. I test a dog. I, I'm, the first thing I test him for is environmental stuff. And mm-hmm. now that they've switched over to bear hunting, they're noticing that there is a huge difference in the environmental, like the nerves of the dogs. Mm-hmm. And they asked me the question, like, you know, do when they breed, when, when people breed these, these hounds, are they, is this something they're looking at? Are they trying to tighten mm-hmm. these nerves up and, and right. I'm like, you know, for me, it's important, but I can't tell you about everybody else. Like, just like you're talking about the, 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 
form, like the the bone, everything, all that stuff's very important to me, and I that goes into my, um, that goes into my decision on breeding. Is a dog put up good? Just like you said, are they nimble? Are they are they do they float? That's kind of the word, the thing that I like to see. Yeah. They kind of just float. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And those dogs they move effortlessly. Yeah, they're, yeah. they there's they last longer. Their endurance is longer. Mm-hmm. I like. I don't have the feet on my dogs. When I say they're not bad, but I've talked a little bit about pigment color. I've got mm-hmm. some dogs that have white and pink pads, and I don't like that. Interesting. Um, now, are you connecting the white and pink pads to a <laughs> negative structural issue? Not structurally, but it, and that's something that um, we, I have talked about. Um, we're going to start paying a little bit more attention to, I wished I could put a color with a trait. You know, if the dog has this color, what traits come out of him? Because we don't, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. within my breeding, it's mixed up. So yeah. I may have a dog that's a high tan. One looks like a purebred Walker, Walker dog, and the other one may be a Heinz Fifty Seven. You just don't know, right? Right. Um, so there's some and things for us. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, for us, the the whiter dogs, the field are, are connected to more of the field trial. The big running dogs, the really the ones that get out there four or five hundred yards on open open ground, you know, or more. Um, they, they need those field trials, but for us up here in the Northeast, those, those wider dogs often that are connected to those field trial lines, I mean, those dogs are getting out there too far for our tight covers. Mm-hmm. Yep. So similar to what you're going through. Yeah. But I, I want to put a, a darker pad because it, it, the pads, the, the white and the, the pink color mm-hmm. are soft. I have more foot issues, yep. not, not gotcha. saying that the dogs are lame in the, the joints. It's their feet take so much longer get to get tough and they yep. can't i can't run them day in and day out like i want so that's right. something within my my breeding program here that i'm right. working on like i i want to fix that um yep and do you deal with, deal with nails as well and you know keeping the nails where they're hard nails that that aren't aren't you know peeling back and breaking and, correct yeah, yes exactly. and the lighter yeah. the lighter foot dogs seem to have the white nails instead of the thick, dark nails, which is exactly what you're talking about. But, um, the, I want my dog put upright. I want him to have, like you said, a good gait, um, a natural free moving gait. I want, you know, I want things in certain places. Um, but anyway, back to what we were talking about, the environmental thing, you know, I don't know that hound hunters, uh, take that stuff. I'm not saying all, because I'm sure there's yeah. some out there that do, but overall, overall, I don't know that that's a big issue for them. That maybe that we should look at more so. Yeah, and I, th- I think you should in in that aspect of, you know, that temperament is also a learning temperament. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a dog that has the right temperament, a calm mind. You know, if if you put it in certain environmental situations, it has a strong enough nervous system where it can think it's going to learn, mm-hmm. you know, where a dog is who's concerned or it's a little softer and afraid of its environment and, or of its training is you got to tap dance around that dog a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so the, I, I, I would agree with you in that that temperament needs to be looked at. You need, you need to have a dog that can support pressure 
You know, you know, pressure does not necessarily mean punishment, but Correct. pressure mm-hmm. in that you're you're putting a certain level of training pressure on that dog. That you're putting in environments that cause that dog some stress, mm-hmm. and the dog has to think in those environments. And if you don't have a nervous system to support it, you're not going to get the learning you're hoping for. And that training process will will, will be a little bit longer, mm-hmm. or if not at all. Yeah. So it depends on the dog. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> So that that brought you into your next thing was how do you know if you should breed your dog? And you kind of hit on that, but one of the things that you said in your article that that sticks out to me is good hunting dogs campaign themselves. Yeah. Yep. Like if you think about like we we we're we're a part of a testing and a breeding organization with our dogs. Mm-hmm. So in in that process, you know, you're you're People are seeing, you know, the talent in the dog. It campaigns itself. And then you got your buddies that are out hunting with you and they're kicking in your door saying, Hey, I, I want one of these. Well then maybe, maybe you're on the right track. Maybe if you got 10 really good buddies that are kicking in your door saying, Hey, I want to hunt over this dog. I want one of these dogs. Then, then that, that's a good reason, you know, to think about breeding. There's a lot more that goes into it than that, but at least, at least a good dog campaigns itself. You shouldn't really have to advertise, mm-hmm. you know, in my opinion. Um, if you're, if you're in the hunting world and you have a bunch of hunting friends in, especially if you're in like an organization like NABDA or the NADKC, people are looking at your dogs mm-hmm. and you won't have to advertise for, for, to fill a litter. People, if you, if you mention that you're going to possibly be breeding your dogs, people are going to be, yeah, put me on your list. You know, and good dogs do that. If if you have to, if you have to look for a lot of different buyers, and you're not sure if you can fill your list, well, you probably shouldn't be breeding, because because those, you, you know, if if you're if you're putting hunting dogs out there for people that are serious hunters, well, you need ten to fifteen really good um, buyers. You know, and a lot of people get caught up with us because they come in they're like, yeah, I got the money, I got the resources. I want one of your puppies. Well, <laughs> well, hold on. <laughs> how many days did you hunt last year? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how, what what level of hunter are you? I mean, are you green? Do you need some help? What supports um, are you going to need in, in in when we give you this dog? And you know, we we really want to keep our dogs close because we want to know what we have genetically. We want to know. We want to make sure that these dogs are going to hunting homes. And not only even if it's somebody that's new to hunting, that's that's fine. But you need to make sure you're coming every week to our group classes that are specific to those dogs. You know, we're, we're putting training, a year of training behind those, those breedings and making sure that those folks are, you know, pushing those dogs where they need to go. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's, you know, that goes back to finding the right home. And it, it's like you said, it's a marriage. Like, hmm. you're you're tied to that person for the, oh, life, yeah. for the life of that dog. 100%. Um, that, <clears throat> like, that dog, that, that person's going to come to you. I mean, if you're, if you're putting yourself in a bre- as a breeder in a breeding situation, you know, you put that dog in a home, the first person that person's calling is you. Mm-hmm. If that dog is hurt, if that dog needs training, if that dog needs anything, that that person's coming to you, and you need to know what you're doing. And 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 if you don't, you shouldn't be breeding, because the, I guarantee. <laughs> I had someone call me yesterday, 
you know, their dog ate some of New Year's chocolates. Uh-huh. Like, oh, what do I do? You know, it's it's you're getting you're going to be getting phone calls for the life of that dog, and mm-hmm. people are going to need guidance from you. And so you need you really need to know what you're doing. So how do we? So Jason, how do we have the conversation when when your 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 girlfriend comes to you and says, "I want to breed, yeah. I want to breed my dog," yeah. and you're like, yeah. "I don't, I, I mean, I love you, you're my yeah. buddy, <laughs> like man, yeah, we exactly. go hunt together, but I yep. I can't do this." How do you have that yeah. conversation? Yeah, you, it, first of all, you know, you have you, you put out the facts. You know, don't put out your feeling, put out the facts, mm-hmm. and then you then, then you're patient from there on out because you got to let them think about it and you got to first of all it's not a rush decision if you feel like you're rushing into okay my dog's going to come and eat in the next month i want to put it's 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 you shouldn't be breeding at that point because you haven't done your legwork it's a rush thing Mm -hmm. um there's a lot that goes into it so for for her it was well tell me your faults of your dog it's easy to tell me what you like about your dog I, i Personally, the dog was a great hunter. The dog, I mean, I would put that dog up against my own dogs as far as grouse and woodcock. I mean, that dog was phenomenal, had strong pointing. I mean, she put a lot of time training into it. Mm -hmm. But the same thing, the genetic package in that dog promoted very successful um, handling of birds in in our area and and the dog was is just phenomenal so i mean she had that going for her but but there was a temperament issue where if you put any level of as long as you stay positive with this dog the dog would do anything you asked you the second it thought it had to do anything then it it was no pass it's called passive disobedience the Mm -hmm. dog just refused (laughs) yeah the dog just refused to um accept any level of pressure you know, and normally in the development of a puppy, you kind of tune it to a little, you get it used to a little bit of pressure here and there. And then, you know, you slowly guide it as it gets to a year of age, two years of age in that it can handle that pressure. But this dog's temperament nervous system couldn't handle any level of pressure. And so I put the question of, do you really want to breed this? Oh my God. <laughs> I might as well told her her kid was the worst kid on the planet because <laughs> it, it went sideways in a hurry. Not bad. <laughs> yep. And, um, but I, ha- I, I couldn't morally not say that. I had to start thinking about, which led, led, led me to this article. Like, well, what, what, how, how do you navigate this? How do you tell a person that maybe this isn't what you should be breeding? You know, and in the end, we, we came up with the conclusion that, yeah, you know what? I, I think genetically the dog is sound. I think we, we came down to it being a training issue, a exposure issue early on. But, you know, what What if it wasn't? What if it's a genetic thing? Well, that's an easy thing to answer. Well, your dog structurally doesn't sound, don't breathe. You know? Mm-hmm. And 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 you, can't, you, you just can't be matter-of-fact like that to, to folks because they're in love with what they have. They have a, these are good people with good dogs that just shouldn't be breeding. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a good person that 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 is is wants what they are in love with. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's, you like, know? it's like our neighbors down the road. You know, Billy and John hunt together. They're good buddies, and yeah. you know, Billy's got a a, de- a decent dog, and John's got a decent dog. So we're buddies, and we hunt. So we're just going to breed those dogs. Which 
there's probably not a lot of forethought went into that breeding and what's going to come out of it. Right, right. And there's and, and the side of that is, yeah, well, you get a dog and your buddy gets a dog, but then you're going to give the rest of those dogs to people that are depending on your 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 research. They're depending on your genetic packages to be successful in whatever the venues they want to chase. So what who are you giving these dogs to and why are you giving it to them? Mm. I mean, where where are these puppies going? Are they going to pet homes? Are they going if these are hunting homes, they better be good hunting dogs. You know, and because your neighbor lives three miles up the road and your dog went out the front door and bred to your neighbor's dog doesn't mean does it doesn't mean that that's gonna be a good litter. You know, I mean you need to do your legwork. You need to know what you're doing, and conveniences definitely propels people to to breed. You know, I mean, I love my dog. I want my next dog, and this person lives three miles up the road. I, I'm going to breed to it. It's easy, mm-hmm. you know. But not the right move. Maybe maybe that dog isn't what you want to breed to, and and the ramifications of that can be severe. It could be temperament issues. These dogs could be biting people. These dogs could have. Um, real real um, genetic problems where they're putting them down early or seizures or there's a lot that goes into breeding a dog that you're responsible for as a breeder you need to know what you're doing if you're breeding hip dysplasia and you're breeding other issues then then that's wrong you, you shouldn't be breeding you need to know what you're doing before you make the decision to breed and it's hard to have that conversation with people it's not easy you got to be thoughtful you got to put out the facts and you, you got to be tactful in what you're doing and, and, you know, and, and be patient, be patient with them because they're in love with those animals mm-hmm. and, and they, and they love what they're doing and they love what they have and they want to, they want to share that with other folks and there's nothing wrong with that, but maybe they shouldn't. And you just need to slowly give them the facts and, and kind of lead them in the right direction, you know, you know, and, and if you have like a good reputation, it's easier to do that because people listen. <laughs> but if you're in a relationship with that, you know, <laughs> someone that's not necessarily the right person, you may, you, you may need to talk to some, some experts in your breed or in your field that, that, that can, 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 can be heard by those folks, you know, right? where, where, where they can say, Hey, you know what? I, I understand where you're at. I've been there, but you know what? You shouldn't breed. And this, let me tell you why. And these are the reasons. And then, you know, if they can be heard, then you can you can steer them in the right direction. Well, and yeah, and that's at least that's I'm, there's a two part thing to this one too. So, and right. I feel like when we breed, and I, I need to do better myself, but it should always be to better that bloodline or that mm-hmm. that handle. Yeah, it should yeah. always be to better it, not not maintain it, mm-hmm. but better it. Yeah, you're breeding correct to correct. You got a correct dog. It has everything. There's no reason that you need to breed away. Well, every dog, no dog's perfect. Right. But you know, but but you fall within the form and function of your breed. You know, there's something to be said that you need to be breeding those dogs because you need to put the genetic pool out there. Those dogs need to be bred. Mm-hmm. You know, if if people are are, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that that only very elite people should be breeding the dogs. Um. You just need to be breeding the right genetics and the right temperaments and, and, and what those breeds are bred for to the same thing. You need to be correct to correct. You know, those genetics need to be put out there. You know, if your pool is shallow, 
I mean, you're running into issues. You're running. I mean, you can you can you can take those waters real quick. So I, I think it's it's super important to, that breeders are out there and that we have the breeders to support each breed for sure. I mean, get me wrong. I, I think that that's important. But you know, if you're not, if but if you shouldn't be breeding, then there needs to be some support systems. You know, and there's a lot of breed organizations and testing organizations that will lead people to these answers. But if you're outside of those realms then it takes a very tactful person to, to kind of lead you in the right answers. Yeah, I, and the, which, the correct to the correct was the, the next part of what I was going to ask you, which leads me to the sure. next thing. So yeah. um, I, I, I have a lot of friends, acquaintances in Europe, because that's where we get our dogs, our police dogs from. <clears throat> and in the hound world, like the breedings are, are so different. The guys that from Europe, most most of the guys that I deal with, they do not they do not line breed. You mm-hmm. said that earlier that you breed outcross to outcross, basically. Yeah, correct? exactly. <clears throat> and then I have some friends in Europe that will only line breed, but it's got to be in the third generation. There can yeah. be no dogs the same unless it's three generations back. Because that's where everything shows itself. Well, yeah. So yeah. for you. I want to pick your brain a little bit when sure. you're breed, and this goes back to the correct to the correct. When you're yeah. outcross for us, like for yeah. for the hound world, we're we're looking for a set of traits the same as you. I'm looking for you know confirmation um, form is a big thing for me. Um, yeah. I'm looking for you know I'm I'm looking for stamina. I'm looking for a dog that's mm-hmm. got a decent nose and that can trail yeah. and will will stay with that track when it gets hard and then once he gets that track up and moving jumped, I want him to have the speed and the endurance and the, I want to say grit, but now when I say grit, I'm not meaning grab a hold of it and hold on. I mean, he's got the stay power to stay with that animal until it trees or till I can get to him. So I'm looking for a lot of different genetics and I've had more success line breeding. Um, dogs that i've had over the last 20 some years then i've had outcrossing now educate me and help me with what you do and how it works so so innately we're looking for hunting dogs Mm -hmm. so we we need we need dogs that have had um boots on the ground we we, we want we're chasing those genetics that um where if we're breeding to a sire it has enough experience and exposure on the ground that and and testing for us and NAVDA and, and the NADKC that we know that that dog both has success and talent to support what we want. Um, we need we need like you said like like any hunting dog we need a strong nose we need a dog that's cooperative we need a dog that has drive and desire. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know the desire is a piece that 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 you can see you it, it's in, in it's in its talent in the field and in testing and and it's a super important piece that we we, we chase in, in our dogs so for us when we're breeding you know i mean they, they they each of these dogs have been put through um testing organizations that you know they get us in the ballpark of what we want but in the end we need hunting dogs you know we don't want testing dogs we want dogs that have had success in the field and have proven that they have that desire and drive and that substance that that 
that that putty that we play with enough of it where where we want to breed to it if you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so that, if that answers question. yes what age are you looking at because i've got some i, I have known that people are breeding some dogs at you know a year and a half two years old and i've for me I've got a female that's four years old right now, and I've just finished her out, and I'm just now right. looking to breed her. Right. So if you think about, like, I mean, the health of the dog, a younger dog, a, a, a young, not a young dog, but a younger, you're talking three years of age, you know, mm-hmm. those dogs can handle litters medically better than 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 an older seven-year-old dog. So, so you, you, we do push our dogs into that younger three, four years of age. Um, you start going to a year and a half, then I don't know that that dog has enough experience put underneath it for you to be like, yeah, that's a breedable dog. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been through all of your testing, likely you've been close, close to I mean, two, two years of age. You're, you're, you're pushing near the, you're, you're done on the, as far as the young dog proving grounds go, as far as testing goes. But, um, how many, how many, I mean, you only have two seasons under the dog, mm-hmm. if that, you know? And so you breeding under what information would be my question. You know I mean? Do you have enough exposure and experience with that dog to say that should be bred? I don't know. No, I, I, I would probably say you don't, yep. you know, if you have two seasons under the dog, then you start and getting the pattern of behavior, you know, um, three seasons for sure. Right. You're, you're locked in. You know exactly what you have by three years of age. And I think that goes no, back like to... The maturity of the dog and what it's going to be is four or five years. You know, the dog is gets older and settles in. It gets better. But I would say at least around right around three years of age, you get a pretty good solid feeling of what the dog's substance is and if it's worth breeding. And I think that goes back to picking your home for the pup and how much. Because what I hunt may not be what, you know, Billy Bob down the road hunts. Right. Like right. I, I hunt as much as I possibly can. I mean, my vacations, like, yep. I mean, I take off a couple months a year and spend in the woods and, you know, not everybody has that opportunity. So a, a certain person may know more about their dog at that age than others. Right. So you, you spent three, three years with that dog or two to two to three years with that dog running it as much as you run it. You're going to find out what your structural issues are. Mm-hmm. You're going to find out the limitations in your dog because you're going to push that dog to its limits. And then things are going to start arising and come to the surface that you're like, well, OK, I thought the dog was fantastic at that, but maybe it isn't holding that track. Maybe it's, it's, it's pulling off a little too soon or getting it doesn't have the 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 structure to run all day it's it, it's 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 not um it's getting hurt it's getting injured a lot uh what's going on with that you know and so the, those things arise with, with exposure and experience and so i agree with you 100 percent that that you know that two to three years of age you, you you get enough information there that you could make a very informed decision if you should breed or not mm-hmm. yeah and I think too, I mean, do, when you go to breed, do you know the background of, and I know you do like hunting wise, but yeah. how far back do you do your research? Like you go three generations, do you try to find out four or five? And, well, whatever the pedigree was support, but it's usually like five, five generations. We'll, we'll go back. We know the lines and, and, um, um, 
we know we know both both in Germany for us in Germany and stateside we we know what those lines produce you know the the pattern of behavior that we see with specific lines so we we have enough history where we can be like oh no <laughs> you doubled up on that i don't want to chase that at all i want to avoid that that, that comes with problems yes. you know in in breeding we 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 learn that about dogs is certain lines have um, temperaments and traits that that may be not conducive to what what you want but that comes with with experience and how sure. long does it take you to find like so if you breed breed dog a and b this year yeah. how long yeah. does it take you to know that this is not something i want or i'm getting yeah. i'm getting genetics yeah. from five generations back yeah sure um puppies you know a lot of people um are looking at the final product, which I think is a mistake. You know, mm-hmm. puppies get most information because they're so raw and they are what they are. So when you're looking at that, that dog that that's under two years of age, you're, you're dealing with just genetics, you know, as the older they get, you know, especially after a year of age, you know, the training masks a lot of what the dog is, you know, but if you're looking at a young pup, they are what they are. You know, and you get to see those things right from the get-go. And that's why we like to keep our, our breedings and, and our buyers, you know, pretty close to us. Um, so that way we can we can keep our hands on the pups. Mm-hmm. That's why we provide a year of training with, with our dogs up to the first level of testing. is Because we want, we want those dogs um, in our hands so we, we know what we have. Because we're breeding towards our next dogs. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're not big breeders. We're just breeding to trying to create the best hunting dog we can for, for others, but more along selfishly for ourselves. I got you. I understand. Yeah. So Jason, with, with, with what you've wrote, is there anything we've left out or something that you want to highlight or hit on, um, with yeah, the tough you know, decisions? In, in the end, you know, we want, I, I don't want to poo poo people from breeding to be honest with you. I, I, I think it's important that folks, remember that you know we need those genetics out there we need those good dogs to to be reproducing so we have those genetics and we can we we can keep those good lines going no matter what the breed is a great dog no matter what you're hunting is the most amazing thing to hunt behind and we need to keep supporting one another in that and i and i and with that in mind as organizations as this podcast goes as um, hunting, hunting enthusiasts go, we need to take care of one another and, and, and support each other and reach out to one another and be like, Hey, yeah, I, I think you need to breed that dog. I know you don't want to, um, but we need to find reasons for you to do that. Or, or just the opposite. I know you want to breed that dog, but I don't think you should, you know, and, and we love what we do and we all love dogs. And it's important that we take care of each other and try to try to support one another in that. And, and if your dog is just not what it should be to be bred, well, then go chase those genetics. That is as much fun as, as being a breeder. You know, there's, there's equally amount of important work that goes into you chasing your next dog and those genetics. And I think that's, that's worthy and honorable in itself that, that folks, you know, spending that time and do that piece as well and educate one another and find resources to, to keep that going. Um, so if you're not, if, if you, if, if you come in the end, you're not going to breed that dog. That's okay. You know, because there's excitement and, and some, some great things that can happen 
just just chasing the genetics and and that that's a lot of fun too yeah and i mean we and you said it earlier we all started somewhere like we we exactly. weren't breeding we went and got our dog from somebody yep. you know our first dog started somewhere yep. yeah and i mean i've um you know i still have some of the, the bloodline that i had 20 years ago but that bloodline's watered down um it's not where it was or what it was and half of that's my fault um and i had to i had to venture out and find something else and yeah. you know i've that's that's what i've done and i'm trying to establish that now um with what i'm doing yeah. so yeah i mean it it's okay that you know as, as as disappointing as it was for me um i'm still as happy like with the other line of dogs that i've got now like i'm still doing what i love to do and i'm still catching game yeah so i mean like you said it's it's the it's not short term it's long term for for me so, yeah and if you think about whatever breed that you're running think about in the end is that pool of genetics that you're putting forward in your breedings or not breedings is that are you bettering the breed and that will answer all your questions for you yeah. You know, I mean, are you bettering your line? Because in the end, what's going to happen? You're going to have to pull a dog from that pool. Mm-hmm. And so if you're improving that line, you're you're improving your chances of finding that next great hunting dog. Yeah. And real quick, because I know we, we're probably pushing our hour, but so okay. what if you, like, so for me, like I told you that the pads on my dogs are something that I'm working on. Um, yeah. How, so if you have a dog that is, like it's what you want, but you want to improve that dog. Mm-hmm. Are you going to find the mate for that dog that has that quality? Or in this case, it's it's confirmation. It's not actually confirmation with me. But are you going to find the dog that has that specifically? Or are you looking for overall picture with that to fix it? Exactly. Well, I mean, if I'm fixing a problem. I better be really specific about what that problem is. And mm-hmm. if, because, you know, a lot of people believe you can fix it in one generation. It may take nine generations to fix the problem. Yeah. So if you're, if you're breeding away from a problem, uh, you may want to have some conversations with some breeders and some people that have been in the field a while to, 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 to figure out how, how much breeding it's going to take for you to change that. And maybe you shouldn't be breeding that. So you, you shouldn't, Again, you should be breeding correct to correct and not away from problems. We all mm-hmm. we all have things we like to better, mm-hmm. um, and and that's that's what you should be chasing. But in the end, your dog should be correct if you're going to make the decision to breed it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jason, like I said, I really appreciate your knowledge, your time. Um, I've really enjoyed reading your articles. And guys, if you want to read the articles, just go to. Um, projectupland.com and you can pull up they've got a lot of lot of good articles in there and just because it's not a hound what we are hunting doesn't mean you can't take something from it learn from it um because we're all doing the same thing we're all trying to better our breed we're all trying to um get the 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 hunting dog that that suits us the most and it doesn't matter what it is because everybody in most dog breeds are, are striving for the same thing so if you guys want to go do that, I'll put, I'll put a link to it on the, the show notes. Um, Jason, is there anything else you want to touch on or, or leave us with? 
No, I just like to wish everybody a happy New Year's and may all the uh, 2023 be all the blessings you ever wish it to be. And uh, get out there, hunt those dogs, and uh, love them up for me. Yeah. So, Jason, to end every podcast, I leave with the saying, and thank you for helping us teach, train, and definitely learn on breeding. Thank you, Heath.